right, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens. And I also believe that the best way to get teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, help us spread the word to youth leaders. It is time for a revolution in youth ministry that will result in every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. So for the next four episodes, we're going to be hosting a mini-series around my brand new ebook, The Failure of Youth Ministry and How to Fix It, my subtly titled ebook, The Failure of Youth Ministry and How to Fix It. Um, decades, many ministries, churches, and parachurch organizations have sensed that the typical way we've been doing youth ministry is not working. Uh, it's failing to ignite students with a passion for Jesus and to capture the next generation. It's failing to make disciples who make disciples. So over the next few months, we plan on bringing this conversation to the forefront by talking with four youth ministry experts and practitioners who have been who have excellent insights into this whole world. And uh, it's exciting, exciting for me to bring our very first guest, who is a personal friend of mine, a guy I really look up to. His name is Dave Ron. Dave Ron has, has got his PhD, he's, he, he's, which means he's wicked smart, uh, and he really is, and he loves the Lord. He began working with Youth for Christ in 1972 uh, before joining Huntington University faculty in 1985, where he taught for 30-plus years. He, he's published more than 100 articles, essays, and books, collaborates widely to unleash adolescent influence. Uh, he's convinced that when captivated by Christ, once aimless teens can turn the tide of culture. Oh, I love that. I want to put that in my bumper sticker. His most recent co-authored book is Disrupting Teens with Joy. Uh, Dave retired from Youth for Christ uh, USA in 2020, is now actively writing, consulting, and enjoying grandpa life. He currently lives with his wife Susie of nearly 45 years in Middlebury, uh, Indiana, uh, and is a senior research consultant for both the Arbor Research Group and Fuller Youth Institute, where he's especially engaged in the 10 by 10 collaboration. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you. Is it, if it's okay, I'd like, to ta- I'd like to take a nap because that, that was an exhausting uh, review of my past. I was just like, why, why am I? I'm just a tired, you know. I'm so I'm so glad that you're part of it, and I mean you you have a a, a long list of credentials, um, but you are also a guy who loves teenagers and loves youth ministry, and very you you have your ear close to the ground, not just with research articles, but um, with actual youth leaders that you've trained over the years, and with Youth for Christ, which gets you right in the grit. So really, uh, tell us a little bit more about your background and why you're so passionate about reaching young people. Why that moniker? You want to see teens, when teens are captivated by Christ, once aimless teens can turn the tide of culture. I love that. Um, tell us a little bit more about your background. Yeah, so I was an aimless kid. That's that's part of it. I was not raised in a church home. And, uh, and it was a pretty clean, like March 6, 1970. I'm a sophomore in high school and my, my friend I'm kind of lonely too. I just don't know where I fit anymore. High school is huge. And from the middle school to high school, I just got lost. I wasn't strong enough or big enough to play football. That's where everybody, all the cool guys were doing. And I was just kind of hanging out and lost. And anyway, a buddy of mine asked me to spend the night at his house for the weekend. And I, and I measured that against the social uh, economy that I needed. Like, oh, that's my, 
he's a cool guy and he's asked me this this is great this is going to be i got a friend coming right and so he kind of mumbled on the side you know about something at the at the event at at his church which i didn't even i didn't know his dad was a pastor I didn't know they live right next door to the church. There was going to be an outreach event weekend. I have no idea. When you're not a church kid, you don't know. You're not afraid of the church, yeah, right? I mean, it's. I don't even. I haven't even formed any image of what to be afraid of. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine, fine. I'm spending the night at your house. But that's the night that I heard that I could have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and it was just like, well, yeah. Why wouldn't I? But I didn't. I mean, in my. This is why I love you, Greg, and I love the. I love the way the platform and the and the urgency of your message because it's my story. Sometimes there's a bunch of people that just they just need to know, and I didn't know. And all I all that happened that night was all of a sudden I know, and I go yes, I'm saying yes. Now, I had to figure out what I said yes to for a few minutes. It took a, it took a minute there, but uh, the bottom line is before I left high school, I was I was already feeling like I was then called into reaching my friend. My first semester of my senior year, I've I, I seen 18 of my friends come to Christ. Wow. Uh, be, and part of it was years, you know, I was just very involved in young life, very involved in Youth for Christ. We invented our own little thing. We had to call Maranatha. Unfortunately, didn't brand it or anything like, but anyway, it just like, it was, I, I just know that, uh, you know, I was captivated. And, and the only question was, how to get in 1972 what's the pathway to become you know full-time in this work and uh, and to give my life to it and and um yeah so the rest of it's kind of just a an unusual journey i wouldn't have i wouldn't have plotted that i was going to be a professor or a researcher or a writer or that kind of stuff mm. but i think that's part of how how god kind of uh shapes us and steers us and gets us a little bit over that over this horizon so he can show us the next one. Yep. That's great. I, uh, so you, you are, I mean, you know, coming to Christ, you know, sharing the gospel right away out of the gates. I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of living out that dare to share dream, uh, that's in, in our hearts to see these kids come to Christ and, and share their faith. You know, we always say that if you really want to get your teens to grow, you got to get them to go. So I'm sure you know that more than anybody because sharing your faith forces you to depend on God, study scripture, pray, and uh, accelerates your spiritual growth. Yeah. And, and I don't know, I'll just confess on behalf of both you and me, Greg, uh, you know, when we've been so deeply and richly and profoundly formed by such an experience, it's hard for me to be open-minded to <laughs> anybody who has a contrary opinion about about the value of just being engaged with people in those kind of mm -hmm. conversations where you, I mean, I, my, I had a friend in, in high school, his name is Vedat Bilgata. He was from Turkey. Mm -hmm. The first thing we ever did as buddies was he actually showed up that night at that same event. And from that point forward, it felt like it was game on. We started arguing about religion. He was Muslim. I was Christian. You know, and frankly, he wasn't even a, a practicing Muslim, but he, you know, he dug in and I dug in it. And, but I had such rich conversations with him. I don't think I ever had, I've never encountered an, uh, an opposing, challenging position or question that mm -hmm. I didn't first hear from my buddy 
as a 17 year old is just kind of arguing about stuff all the time. You know, it's interesting, Dave. I, I tell people because we went out, we did Friday night soul winning every Friday night. You know, I was reached by an independent fundamentalist church. It wasn't advanced, it was soul winning. And, uh, but I tell people, you know, by the time I was 15, I had already encountered every argument that you would get in your philosophy 101 secular university. You know, evangelism really prepares teenagers, not just spiritually, but intellectually uh, for what for what lies ahead. It really helps them answer those fundamental questions early on. It's a stretch. And, and you know, that's what I mean. You and I have talked about this, Greg. There's a whole host of people who believe in evangelism, but they imagine that they have to do a kind of a, a, a discipleship formation threshold to get kids to a place where they're going to be adequate in evangelism mm. as opposed to the formational side of evangelism right uh, one of the one of the books i used to i used to lay on uh my undergrads at huntington when i was teaching was uh written in 1964 called dedication and leadership by douglas hyde and he was he was representing the contrast mm. between communism formation and training and and formation as a christian and one of the things he said is once you immediately, once you become a communist, we're going to we're going to stick you on a corner in a busy mm -hmm. intersection and have you pass out communist propaganda. And we go, why was that? It's partly because you get into the mix and you start to understand you either you either believe or you don't believe you. Yeah. You either show yeah. up and dig in deep or 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 not. And uh, actually, there's social attribution theory that would suggest that once I sort of my my brain when i see myself act in a certain way my attitudes start to catch up with what i'm doing mm. you know so it might might almost be an explanation for why billy graham used to say get out of your seat come forward right hey I, as you're going forward think about the interaction you have your brain has with your feet like mm. what am i doing here why are you going what's this going on this must be important mm. this must be important and there you go you start to you start to act your way into into a kind of a, a value set that that it, that is sustainable. So, so it's called a social interaction theory. I'm right. Uh, social attribution theory. Yeah. yeah. Attribution. Attribution. Theory. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. That's okay. That's great. Um, so let me um, <clears throat> let's kind of switch the conversation to youth ministry. Um, you know, we're gonna you know the, the the subtly titled book, the failure of youth ministry and how to fix it. Um, would you agree that this is an important conversation, whether or not youth ministry uh, is working and, and why? Yeah. Yeah, it is an important conversation. And I will tell you right away until I, I just want to, I'm glad for this opportunity to confess that at some level, as a youth ministry thought leader for 40 some years now, maybe close to 50, um, I got to stand next to this body of work, mm. and frankly, I'm, I'm, um, I, I'm in repentance. I mean, I'm, there's something about the way I've been, and the influence mm. that I've done that hasn't been good enough, and uh, I'll just own that and and go. I'm I'm grateful that uh, I'm going to follow. I'm following Moses' developmental pattern where I don't hit my stride till 80, and then and so <laughs> I I still get to still get to get after it but i'm telling you it's it's one of the it's what still drives me it's it's what gives me uh 
heartburn and uh, and joy at the same time to get up every morning as a retired dude because I feel like I'm not done swinging here. So. Well, you know, and Dave, let me just say this. Um, I appreciate your your posture toward this, but you have you, it's been a lot of the stuff that you've written. I think specifically of contagious faith that I think you and Terry Linhart uh, put together years ago. This is a new name now. It goes updated. Was it? Um, yeah, uh, Evangelism Remixed, right there, kind of Evangelism on my Remixed. shoulder here. So there you go. There you yeah. go. Um, but that really, early on, you know, in my ministry at Dare to Share, that I felt like, okay, there's some smart people that agree with this. And I didn't know how to articulate all the stuff that you guys were articulating, but it gave me confidence with Dare to Share that, hey, we're, we're headed down the right path. And here's some statistical proof that kids that are actively sharing their faith are growing more in their faith and those youth groups are more healthy. So, um, you know, I, I think you've been one of those voices uh, for me as a Dare to Share guy um, I could depend on for strong, you know, research-based evidence that, you know, the gospel does change everything. we got to get our kids sharing it. So let's dive a little bit into the, the – uh, you know, the whole concept of youth ministry, you've done a lot of research on youth ministry, its effectiveness over the years. Would you agree that youth ministry is is broken? And why or why not? Would you? Maybe we've already talked about it being broken, but why, why do you think um, some of those factors are uh, into making youth ministry what it is today? Yeah. I, yes, I believe it's broken. Yes, I and I, I don't. That's part of it is I I can't look at the outcomes that have taken place among young people and are still taking place among young people that and and feel good about the strengthening or the the invigoration of mm -hmm. a healthier church. And if you go, you know, what's the what's the purpose of youth ministry? I, I'm going to it's like, uh, you know, tagging a, a you know, a lion in the wild. I want to. I want to follow it and find out what how it how it grows, what it develops, how it ends up. And and in in part, you want to study it to see if there's if we're doing what we're doing now helps in a in a meaningful way. And the the arc of this is a theological question, not a sociological or empirical question. The arc of this is about what Jesus' vision is for the church, mm. and youth ministry's got to figure out how we fit. And mm. the, the host of youth ministry, for the most part, has settled into a space that's not not even chasing that question in a big way. Um, mm. We're just, and, and, and some of that's on youth ministers and some of that's on those of us who train youth ministries because we've been so infatuated, especially here in America, with how to, that we don't linger in why and we don't linger in what and we certainly don't linger in the depth and the beauty mm. of Jesus Christ, our Lord, as revealed in Scripture. We don't. We don't do that. And, um, but, I want to. I want to let give youth ministers a little bit of a pass too. Part of it is that they're also getting hired into jobs in churches that aren't doing that. Yeah. And so the entirety mm. of the church, it's you know, youth ministry is broken because church is broken. If you ask me. And yeah. and uh, yeah. and we're and then all the forces related to a broken church, including parents that are sort of sideways and wangly and don't know how to respond to cultural challenges and on and on and on it goes. Mm. All of that is is at work in this mix. So it's not as simple 
as, and it's certainly not anything like, let's just change the way you program on Wednesday nights mm-hmm. or Sunday mornings or whatever. It's, it's, uh, it's all together. It's multifactored, but it's, yeah. uh, without a clear vision, without a clear vision, we're going to be, uh, we won't be able to repair this. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I sent out a tweet yesterday. I don't know why I just, I remember going to Austria and seeing, I was, staying at a farmhouse with my family. I was preaching at a Torchbearers in, in Austria, uh, Tarnhof in Schladming, Austria. And at this farm, they were like, hey, do you want to help milk the cows every morning, leading the pasture? I'm like, heck yeah. So, you know, me and the kids went down every morning. My wife says, knock yourself out. But when we were leading the pasture, there was always one cow with a bell on it. And the cow with the bell on it led the way. And the, what I didn't realize is whatever cow was walking was jumping. They were excited, like, woo, you know, I got the bell, you know, cowbell, more cowbell. And I'm like, what in the world? And I'm, well, it's the same thing with sheep. Uh, and the sheep that leads the way, they're called a bellwether. So I sent out a tweet the other day that youth ministry is, is the bellwether uh, of the church at large. And we've seen that with a lot of the, the music you know, you even think about, you know, Willow Creek, where they start as a youth ministry kind of deal, you know, radical trans Jesus movement that led to, you know, trans yep. really the beginning of youth ministry in a lot of ways and, and mu- the Christian music industry. Um, if we can, my, my hope is that if youth ministry, we can begin to see these changes happen in youth ministry on the other side, it'll begin to trickle into the church at large. Because there's not a Christian grandparent I know that doesn't get jacked up when their grandkids are on fire for Christ and get convicted. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. there's not a parent that I know when, when their kids are really serving the Lord, aren't thrilled and convicted, you know. And um, so if we can see these changes happen in youth ministry, I think we can see those trickle th- throughout the whole church. Um what are that, some of the... That, I'm oh, with yeah, you there. I mean, that's, the, that's oh, yeah. my... I was just going to say that that's... That's why I still believe that uh, my investment at this mm. at this target group is as strategic and wise as anything. You know, it's um, it's what I know best, but it's also like it's it's the way forward that I'm going to you know shove all my uh, Bitcoin into. That's great. I love it. Um, <clears throat> so, so the little ebook. It's a short book. You book in parentheses because it's pretty short. Um, so as you went through that, what would you say in, in the failure of youth ministry, you really resonated with, what did you question? Uh, maybe there's some things you disagreed with or things you would phrase differently. Yeah, I, I, first of all, I love it. And I, uh, as a side note, this is, this is important for the context to me, what, uh, what I have been drawn to ever since I first met you, Greg, is your, uh, your Christ first obsession. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the one who introduced me to the Spurgeon quote, make a beeline to Jesus. And I'm kind of, I kind of think about that, not just for sermons. I think about that for research. I think about that for, mm-hmm. uh, everything I'm doing, make a beeline to Jesus. Where mm-hmm. is Jesus in this mix? Make a beeline to Jesus. Having said that, um, I think there are assumptions still about, youth ministries practice Mm. um, that may need even a deeper dive. I I think you flagged the concern really well. 
and I think you uh, in in that book, and I think you start to get into it and wrangle with it. And and if people don't come away a little bit unsettled, uh, that's probably a miss because the book that's what the book is best at. Mm. I uh, I'm I'm not convinced that we've gotten to what I'll call meta change. You know, mm. so mm. so there's a there's change, and then there's that change about the change, and. Yeah. Uh, Systemic. But that's the hardest. Change of yeah. 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 Because it's a whole different, if it's a whole different way of thinking, the closest I've gotten to reading something about that recently, and it, and it wasn't a recent book, but it was Sky Jathani's book, The Divine Commodity. Hmm. And, uh, and he, he basically says, we're formed by a consumer culture. Hmm. So why would we not think that the way we do ministry is consumeristic? And then he starts yeah. to unpack that. You're going, oh yeah. my goodness, he's right. He's right. He's right. This mm-hmm. is this is part of the, the the labor. So you know, I've been uh, trying to you know trying to figure out how to how to get after that. What when you invoke some visions about practice, some of those um, are spot on in terms of the answers. I think because let's get into a habitual way of being, and habits are different than catalytic experiences. Mm. So you used to do. You used to host the big old blowout weekends, yeah. And I love the I love in your book that you that you talked about your St. Louis conversation, right? Mm. It's a, a, a and where you pushed back with some people who had been gathered, and just said, "Do you think that I don't care enough?" I think we have to have that same sort of conversation. All of us gathered in the room, and God's hosting it. Mm. Jesus mm. is hosting that that conversation where mm. Jesus is saying, "Do you think I don't care about youth ministry? Come on, you're. I mean, there's yeah. so there's something yeah. next level there." And, um, mm. man, I, yeah, I, I, that's I'd why love, you said this I, conversation, this is conversation. That's why I think I love this. This needs to happen. Yeah. And I, I do think, you know, you know, I came to the limit of what I know when I wrote that book. It's like, okay, let's now let's get the, let's get the big brains wrapped around it and let's get, I love that. Let's get to the meta, meta change. And I, I feel like, you know, we're driving toward this cliff and I was like, okay, I think my job is not to get us necessarily completely to the destination, but I would want to jerk the steering wheel. Like guys, like, let's take a look at the, is this thing working? Let's be very honest. And then let's get in the process of, you know, rethinking, you know, systems and structures and philosophy and mindset and, and then get to the models of what, what that actually looks like. So I'm hoping so and praying be, again because that this it, leads to more conversation and, you know, impact. Well, and, and you introduced me and rightly so for a long time, I thought I might get a brand as research boy in youth ministry or something like that. And I didn't know if I liked that or not, but I was, uh, but it is, it is fair. There's a body of work in research that I've contributed. Um, and I've thought about a lot about this because this is, so whether it's the uh, 10 by 10 collaboration referenced by the great opportunity and ignited that way, where there was a research storyline mm-hmm. sort of lighting a fire, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're talking about that there's a, there's a storyline that's, that we should feel the urgency of. I, I've got a, a, a client that I've sort of uh, working with through Arbor research where we're, where they're, they're asking for ca- something that, the research role is to catalyze movement. And there's a part of me that's going, wait a minute, something's wrong here. And I did, and only, only maybe in preparation for 
this time with you, did I feel like I got some some like pithy things to say this. In 1991, mm. I started the Link Institute for Faithful and Effective Youth Ministry. Mm. 15 years later, I was unrelated to this, but I was signing my emails, faithfulness is enough. So what, mm. what happened here? Um, the reason, effectiveness, how, does this work? How does it work? How well does it work? That, that's a, that is the territory that I want to just pull research in, like right and left. I want to get insights that way. But why is it that I'm now at a place, and this is true, I think now I'm at a place where I'm going, wait a minute, faithfulness with Jesus is, a, is absolutely enough. And so what I, what I wrote, and I want to get this right, because this, this felt like, it, like a, one of those old man dream dreams kind of moments here. So unless a heart drawn in by research becomes a heart all in with Jesus, we're going to be disqualified from helping with the mission. And that's mm -hmm. significant because I've been, I've been curious about like, wait a minute, you've been, you've been pounding the drum about a way of being with Christ that includes evangelism, includes going, includes getting mm -hmm. in people's world and, and sharing the, the, the Christ that we come to know and love. And now, oh, by the way, it'll get a boost if it has some research data behind it. Doggone it, that's, if that's the case, I just want to spit and cuss because that just feels like, it's uh, hey, we don't need John the Baptist. We got research, right? I mean, research is going to ignite you. Well, people who are ignited by research are not going to be people who are qualified for the job. We're, we got a Gideon moment here. We're going to whittle the army down to those whose hearts are all in. And, and it's because you're all in with Jesus and you're captivated by Jesus. Now, once you get that right, research has a great con contribution it can make to, to the how, the what, the, the exposure, the insights, what's missing, what's not missing. But man, there's no such thing as a why that's driven by research that I want to get connected to. Yeah, it, I, I love that. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I try to say to youth leaders all, all the time is if you fall in love with evangelism, you'll fizzle out. If you fall in love with Jesus, you will always evangelize because you can't help but Perfect. talk about him. And I think keeping Christ at the center of everything that we do is, is so important. I think the, the challenge is that faithfulness is enough is it depends on if, if you're talking about faithfulness to Christ or faithfulness to work in the same system over and over again. You know, what they say insanity is doing the same things and expecting a different outcome. Yeah. You're, when you talk about faithfulness is enough, you're saying keeping your eyes on Christ, his mission, keeping close to him. Oh. And, and then systems change. Everything else will erupt out of that. Well, and that's what that's exact. That's where I'm all in right now, because I've, I've been convinced that um, in the in the book we just wrote, uh, Disrupting Teens with Joy, we use a metaphor about youth ministry. We basically say youth ministry uh, engages aimless teens on the surface of the water and we splash about with them. And sometimes that's all there is to it. We just splash. We've connected with them. We, we mm -hmm. got so many people attended. It was fun. Um, some youth ministry is, um, a lot of youth ministry is, um, lands in the snorkel zone. Like we, we help kids have snorkeling experiences, look into the deep, isn't this mm -hmm. great? 
We can get snorkel depth that's about usefulness, helping helping your kid become a good Christian boy, a good Christian girl, you know, be acceptable, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But none of that is identity forming and identity transforming. That is a scuba gear depth. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wants scuba gear depth. He mm-hmm. wants to get into our grill in a total life transformation. And if youth pastors and adults who love young people don't know how to scuba, we ain't going to take mm-hmm. kids into that depth. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah. And so yeah. the first agenda is like, man, and, and it was joy. It was the notion of saying, wait a minute, Scripture says I should be able to rejoice always. There's a resiliency to joy. How do I get mm-hmm. there? Well, you don't mm-hmm. get it by pursuing joy. You get it because you've, you've clung to, you found Jesus mm-hmm. who is the giver of joy and in him in his constant companionship, you can get there. So I have confidence that Jesus is going to disrupt stuff. Yeah. Uh, in other words, some, I, when, I'm, when I'm all in with Jesus, all the time with Jesus, I'm not at my window with sort of monastic chants in the background and you know just kind of serene, never engaging. I, I, I mean, Jesus. if you don't believe that Jesus wants to take me into the marketplace toe-to-toe with people, then you don't know my Jesus. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't know he's who the great, you're he's studying. The, yeah. He's the great disruptor. I mean, he's the one that flips yep. tables at the beginning of his ministry and the end. And in between is touching yep. lepers, yelling at Pharisees, you know, walking through crowds that are trying to kill him, you know, seeing prostitutes yeah. transformed. I mean, it's like eating with tax collectors and sinners. He is the great disruptor. <laughs> and I'm hoping, you know, with that, with that thought in mind, you know, with Christ at the center I'm hoping that this, the failure of youth ministry is part of that great disruption. Um, even yep. if it's just in a handful of youth leaders' lives, but I'm, I'm praying it leads to a bigger discussion because I feel like we need to have those bigger minds and are around this subject. And it, we, we should be tackling this together and figuring this out. Um, maybe say a word uh, about the 10 by 10 collaboration, just for youth leaders who aren't familiar with that. And, because I, I think this is part of that big, big conversation. Yeah, it is. And I, and I love the, the stirring that's going on. And, I, and, and frankly, as a really old guy, uh, you know, I, I came to Christ vintage. during we would the say Jesus vin- movement. Yeah. We would say vintage, vintage, <laughs> vintage guy. Vintage. I love it. I, I have a friend, I have a friend in, uh, uh, who's, who said you're an original gangster, Dave. I, I'll take that too. <laughs> um, the... Uh, but the notion of, of, of God being on the, on the move and being up to something, uh, you know, I, I feel like I benefited from that as, as a, a Jesus movement bred Christian uh, in some yeah. ways. And I didn't know anything about the Jesus yeah. movement, but that, we were experiencing that. I think there's something afoot right now. I want mm-hmm. people to be encouraged. I think the Lord is stirring and he's stirring hearts and he's getting people to pay closer attention to things that are, that are most significant. And I think this 10 by 10 collaboration feels like it's got that muster to it. It was hosted conversations. They've been largely polite, largely well-managed conversations there, but they're uh, the interest of, of funding agencies and, and influential uh, thought leaders and, and, uh, and people who have the keys to different uh, organizational entities like denominations and, and parachurch organizations have, kind of come together. There's a convergence. And I think that the convergence is absolutely fascinating. The vision is, a, is like 10 million kids engaged in, in just next level discipleship over a 10 year period. 
And more significant to me than even that number, which is fantastic, is uh, uh, can 100,000 local ministries, local churches, collaborate on that agenda? Yeah. That's, to me, even more bodacious because we don't, we don't collaborate. I mean, I don't know what you mean by collaborate exactly. And that's the work to be done. Yeah. To come together yeah. and, and in that space to come together around uh, a really robust thing. So that's the, 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 the official launch time of the 10 by 10 collaboration, I think, is next fall. Uh, but there's been this like quiet campaign campaign of a bunch of thought leaders kind of wrangling. You and I have had a chance to be in the mix and have some conversations with Kara Powell and the Fuller Youth Institute. Who, I mean, it's just, we're just getting our organizational feet on the ground for what this looks like. But it's fascinating to try to lay an organization down when when everybody's looking at each other and going, this needs to be a movement of God. And so yeah. we, we're going, okay, I think we're I think that if we preserve that tension and insist on the movement of God that's all about, you know, walking in. I'd rather be walking into the temple court with Jesus, helping him kick tables over, than being at a youth ministry table getting kicked over. Uh, and I yeah. think there's a possibility that I that there's some of us who are, are manning our tables there. So to use that analogy, I mean, he made a whip, which is interesting. And, uh, the failure of youth ministry book is a little bit of a whip to kind of, uh, get, get, get things going. Um, so how would uh, youth leaders find out more information about you and about, uh, 10 by 10 collaboration? Yeah. The, so the 10 by 10 collaboration is a, a really simple, um, um, website that's a that's a great way to poke into that it's spell the word 10 put the x and then write out the number 10.org so right. 10 by 10.org yep. will take you right into the website and it'll start to introduce you to this and i again um i aware of what this aspiration is uh i so i still have a little bit of a foothold it's going to go away real quick uh, with the uh, academy with people who are professors of youth ministry through an organization I helped to establish about 26 years ago, Association of Youth Ministry Educators. I'm privileged to lead uh, their gathering in San Diego next October. And I'm all in about the 10 by 10 collaboration sort of driving this agenda because mm -hmm. I, I, I just realized, hey, youth ministry professors, people in the academy, if 100,000 local churches and youth ministries are agreeing to go one direction, we don't want to sit this one out. Yeah, we don't want to be on the sidelines. What yeah. do we get to do? How do we contribute? What's our what's our role? Because there's a good chance, there's a possible chance. You've seen it, and I've seen it, that that academic fingers yeah. can be wet blanket instead of yeah. accelerants. And so I, and Dave, I don't Dave that. and I want to just encourage you. You know, I'm an evangelist, and I know sometimes. You know, spam sucking trailer trash evangelist that I am. I was raised in trailers, and I did eat spam. Um, you can be discounted, right, and marginalized, which is fine. Um, but God has given you the credentials, you and a handful of others that are passionate about the gospel. And as you know, even though evangelism is a key part of the 10 by 10 collaboration, which I'm so thankful for, um, Amen. that yep. can be, it can be shuffled to the bottom of the deck. It can be relegated yep. to a come and see approach and outreach meeting. I know God's going to use you to keep that as top a top of conversation, strategic importance. And um, so I'm grateful that you're in that space and to keep that banging. I pray. I pray. Yeah. 
Yeah. I pray, I, I yeah. covet your prayers and the prayers of all your listeners that I might be able to steward that assignment very well too. I feel it. Yep. I feel its weight yep. and the joy of that assignment. Yep. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Well, listen, I want to bring in a, a youth leader uh, to talk about this um, and to maybe ask you questions or comment on some of the things that you said. His name is Eric Grosinger. He's a, he's a friend. He served in youth ministry as a volunteer full-time uh, for at least 25 years. He served two churches in the suburbs of Chicago. He's currently at Faith Bible Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. He has a passion helping to raise up, train, and equip students as gospel-centered disciple-makers. He's got a passion for equipping other uh, local youth leaders to build gospel-advancing ministries and networks. Uh, he first got connected with Dare to Share back in 2008 at a Survive Conference and has been bringing students to Dare to Share events ever since. Uh, he's part of our Gospel Advancing Roundtable, where we every month bounce ideas, get input, share I, you know, visions, and, and just collaborate together uh, for the cause. So Eric, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation listening in. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, so is, is, what are some of the things that maybe popped to you or questions that you may have for Dave or comments or things you agree with or disagree with? Yeah, man, first of all, Dave, I, I just really appreciate your humility. Uh, you know, at the outset of the conversation, when Greg is talking about the, the book that he wrote, the, the humility you had in, in owning as someone who has been in ministry helping lead the charge and teach and bring up others. Uh, just your acknowledgement that, that there's been some failure there. Um, and I just really respected your honesty on that, uh, you owning that, but, uh, but also being willing to help bring about some of the change that we've been talking about that, that this book brings up, but also the need for that. Um, Dave, I think your story is a little bit like mine when I was in high school. I mean, I was raised in the church, uh, but uh, but really felt a sense of belonging and a purpose more when I was introduced to the role that I can play in leading my friends to Christ. Um, so I was brought into a youth ministry where I was given the tools uh, and actually started a Friday night outreach event at our church um, with the support of our youth pastor and our student ministry. Um, because of a situation and a conference I attended, I was a freshman at Indiana University over the summertime. I was a freshman, went to this conference and really had a burden, was kind of planted in me. Of what do I need to do? What is my role in sharing the gospel with my friends? And my youth pastor came alongside me and equipped me and provided the resources to make that happen. And then all throughout the rest of my high school career, um, really, really getting that foundation uh, of what does it mean to be an owner of, of my student ministry, not just a participant. You know, you, your comment about being a consumer culture, um, my, my hope was not just to be a consumer, but a contributor um, and, and transforming that when I was just a student. And now obviously as a, as a youth pastor, you know, that's my heart as well. So I just really appreciated that. But I would say one of the things that, that you guys have been talking about that just kind of continued to come in was this theme of being all in. And, and Greg, you shared the stat with me years ago, and it has stuck with me. Uh, you know, if, if you can get 10% of your group to be 100% all in, you can transform the culture. You can transform the mindset and the trajectory of where you're going. Mm -hmm. and, and I just 
came back to that a lot. And I wrote that in as I was reading through your book here, Greg, and I was writing that in my notes. And this is you guys have been talking how powerful that can be if you can get 10% of your students to be 100% all in to the mission of Jesus. You're not going to fizzle out. And, and you're going to begin to see that transformation that I believe is going to bring about a more robust but God-honoring youth ministry in the process. You know, Eric, just a comment on that. I'm more and more convinced of that, that the if you have a core of your students that set the bar and set the pace uh, for evangelism, discipleship, going in, in days where, in, you know, scuba dive, in their relationship with Christ, they're not—they're not snorkeling. They're scuba, uh, and they're setting the pace for evangelism. That becomes the—even if you don't call it out—that's the bar. And I, one of the things that shocks me is how many youth leaders I talk to that don't have a student leadership group. They don't have a, a core group of students. And I'm like, what in the world? You're just running events yeah. then, you know? Yeah. Dave, what do you think of that? Like the—the the whole concept of really getting that core of student leaders that are, you know, the importance of that. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's absolutely important in scripture. And it probably, if I were to pull back from all kinds of all the research I've done, I favor some way of doing some research that sort of um, locks in on the role of exemplars and models to, to get us to where we want to go. I, um, my PhD from Purdue is in educational psychology. The big question of ed psych is mm. how do people learn and grow, right? I can't get past the role of modeling and dynamics like that as a, as a formational agenda. It's clear in scripture. It's what Jesus did strategy wise. It's what Paul invites them to do. It's, uh, and, and so in evangelism remixed, uh, you know, we, we call out, you know, when a kid sees a friend lead their friends to Christ. They are going to be exponentially more effective themselves. And mm -hmm. by the way, next level when it when they happen to see their parents do that. So mm -hmm. nobody, I mean, that's like the biggest thing. It's just like I need to see this. What this looks like, I need to see it because my brain doesn't work that way. Otherwise, so I, that's why I think your ten percent is 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 just brilliant and it's crucial. And frankly, I think it's it's also embedded in Jesus' strategy. You know what's he, he, uh, by, by many measures, you know, common youth group measures, you know, you got this zenith of an experience with Jesus, 5,000 people. Hey, I can't wait for that event to be, you know, but he whittled it down and there's 120 in an upper room, right? Mm -hmm. There's 120, but that's the 120 he chose to leverage for the sake of you and me the, to change the world. I mean, the vision was change the world and it, and it took 120 well-formed persons to do that. Well, and if you if you do just just for fun, if you look at the 12 disciples as the 10 percenters of the 120, I mean, you can kind of there see you that go. same nice. You know, I mean, it, it kind of works out. So it's really cool. What else, Eric? Any other thoughts or comments? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I feel like once you introduce your students and you have that 10 percent who are really all in with the mission and the motives of Jesus, uh, there's a depth there, as you were saying, Dave, with the joy, but, but you really resonate, I think, with, with they understand who they are, what their purpose and their role is, and the community that they do it with, right? The, the 10 percenters, you know, and I kind of echo back to Kara Powell's 
podcast interview that you had, Greg, where, you know, students are, are asking three big questions, right? Mm. Who, who am I? What is my identity? What is, what is my, what is, where do I belong? And what is my purpose? Mm. And man, how, how you, you can't come up with a better answer to that than the person of Jesus. And if you can find your identity, and your belonging and your purpose first and foremost in him, then that joy and that the, the heart of Jesus is going to rub off on you and is going to transform that culture of your friends, right? Um, and, and you're going to be unstoppable. Uh, it's going to be contagious, right? And I've seen that in my own student ministry. I've, I'm a product of that as a high schooler, you know, going to SEMP when, when I was in student and now it's lead the cause. Uh, our student path, our youth pastor trained us on identifying five students that we want to pray for, care for, and share with. And, uh, and it was exciting for me to see a couple of those kids come to Christ while I was in high school. That fired me up. And the contagiousness of that continues to this day as I seek to train and equip and mobilize our students to do the same thing and take them to lead the cause and, and walk them through those steps to find out your identity is in Christ. You belong in this group of, of people who can support you, but your calling is to go and make disciples. Love that. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to be sp speaking in uh, Mobile, Alabama this weekend to a group of teens, and I'm going to do a talk on Friday night gospel urgency, then Saturday morning gospel fluency, and then Saturday night gospel strategy. And the gospel fluency, uh, I go through the gospel acrostic, and the L is life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Well, I made three little additions underneath as bullet points. Life as, life with, and life for. So this life, eternal life, is life as a, a child of God, a new identity that we get. Life with my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I have a new family. And life for, so the mission of God. So your identity is, you know, a child of God. Your belonging is the family of God. And your, your purpose is the mission of God. And those answer the fundamental questions again. Every I think back, I wrote that book, Unlikely Fighter, about my growing up years. And really, it deals with those three fundamental questions, how the gospel changes everything. And um, so praise God for that. And Dave, we're wrapping up here, but uh, thank you so much for being a part of this. Do you have any last comments or encouragements to youth leaders? Yeah, I, I do. I, I mean, the word that we camped on in the book that we published last year uh, included grit. Uh, and we're trying to under I, I, when I look at the social science meaning of grit, to me, it looks exactly like what Jesus meant by faith and belief. It's mm -hmm. like you will be all in on this one thing, nothing else. First of all, clarity about the object of grit. And then that leads to persistence and innovation and doing whatever it takes. Mm. And that, by the way, is why I, I'm all in with, I mean, we, we recommend four habits. One of them is testify. Just like every day, go out and say the name of Jesus to somebody. Just mm. say it out loud mm. and watch what happens as mm. you start to practice just saying his name out loud. Mm. And it doesn't count if you only say it to your mom every day at breakfast. Yeah. You got to say it to somebody every day. Just push yourself and but it's because it extends to the grit of just clinging to Jesus. Like, uh, anyway, grit, grit clarity is, uh, is what, what pulls us there into that, into that deep stuff. I appreciate this. This is a very heartening conversation. Thank you, guys.
Yeah, Dave, I appreciate you being a part of it. Eric, you did great. Thanks for all your insights and input. Thanks for you, your grit, man. You are grinding it out, building Gospel Advancing Network students, leading the way. So praise the Lord. Uh, again, youth leaders, you go to Amazon and just look up Dave Ron, R-A-H-N. You'll see Disrupting Teens with Joy, Evangelism Remix, Contagious, all sorts of other stuff. Get to know him and his body of research, and let's activate it. He's got so much good stuff that we just need to be able to put into practice. Pray for Dave that God would give him wisdom uh, as he leads the way with with that voice of evangelism and youth ministry uh, with the ten by ten collaboration and others. And uh, let's just pray, and and with these youth ministry professors, just pray that God gives him strategic wisdom and favor um, to really play his role well in. Um, transforming the face of youth ministry, bringing it right at the feet of Jesus. So, all right. Thanks so much for being a part of it. And remember, youth leaders, that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing one. So start advancing the gospel. Thanks for tuning in.